and praise God. Amen. 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 Praise God. So uh, today we're going to talk about a day in the life of a prophet. Amen. And I ain't talking about me. So you can all, everybody exhale, okay? I saw you holding your breath. Oh, Lord, have mercy what she's going to say. We didn't heard them old jokes at least ten times. Well, today might be 11. You never know. So praise no, but it's not about me. So you can relax. <laughs> Turn to Second Kings 2. <clears throat> and I thought I would explain a little bit. I'm doing this to give people a little more understanding of the prophet's ministry because uh, I've noticed that uh, when when I first started in ministry, I used to go to all the meetings where I knew prophets would teach on what the ministry was about. And then I found out I'd learn better if I listened to God and what he said in his word about the ministry. So then I, and that's not to say that people don't have anything, you know, don't get me wrong. Uh, but, you know, you, you have to really understand how to receive your information from the Lord. And that gave me a very, very good understanding, a well-rounded understanding uh, in in addition to what other people experienced in, in their work as prophets, I noticed, too, that many times people other than prophets would try to tell you what the prophet's ministry was about. And I just don't think that's proper. I think you need to hear it from somebody who speaks from from uh, from their spirit and their understanding of it and their experience with it in order to get uh, a pure understanding. And so I, I want to let you know that prophets are called to do more than prophesy. I didn't say they're not called to prophesy, but to do more than prophesy. And uh, oftentimes we, we uh, don't really equate the prophet's ministry with everything that it entails. And so we need to get an understanding of how that ministry, and, and I don't believe the anointing is any different than it was in the old covenant. That would mean God would be different. But the administration of it, amen, is different. It's, it's uh, the power's the same. It's administered differently. It's administered through the grace of the New Testament and through the atoning work of Jesus Christ as far as the New Testament. And so what that means is that the curse is broken off of a lot of the administration of the ministry gifts. The prophet's gift is the oldest gift in the body of Christ. We have to understand that. Prophecy always comes first. If you go to Genesis 1, you'll see that. Nothing appeared before God prophesied into the atmosphere and said, let there be. Amen? So the prophecy always comes first. It has to be an unction on that word to perform it. And so that that will precede any activity that God does. In Amos, uh, I think it's Amos 3, it says, God will do nothing except he reveal the secret to his servants, the prophets. So the servants really were uh, prophet God's um, manservants and handmaidens because they were female prophets too. Uh, the gift knows no gender. And so that gift can rest in anybody. Uh, children, sometimes gifts will be activated in them. We know that uh, um, uh, Eli, the priest, 
was able to teach Samuel uh, enough so that Samuel knew God's voice when he was a very small boy. Uh, you got to be careful about little kids around you who have the word of the Lord. Because <laughs> they'll tell you things that you may not want to hear sometimes. Samuel did what? He prophesied Eli's doom, didn't he? Amen. It was time for judgment. So, you know, when God starts putting words in little kids' mouths, get a little nervous. I ain't just saying, okay? Just saying. <laughs> and repent. Because uh, we can always fall in line with God. That's the nice thing about the new covenant. You don't have to fear judgment. Because God's merciful. And his mercy endures forever. And you have a blood covenant that says, if you will repent and come back to me, I will abundantly pardon. So we have no fear in this new covenant. You know, just don't get out there and, and you know, get crazy. You want to tempt God and, and push it. You know what I'm saying? See how far you can go before you fall over. So just allow God's mercy uh, to hover over your life in a gracious way so that you can always find a grace to help you to obey him uh, so that you don't have to fear anything in God like it's the last time, you know, that kind of thing. So children of God uh, have great mercy. Uh, God would much rather pardon us and help us to get stronger in him than to see us perish and, and he not have any servants to work for him. So in Second Kings 2, we're going to take a stroll down uh, with Elijah the prophet. Now in chapter 1, this you might think chapter 2 is exciting, but chapter 1 just finished with uh, the prophet Elijah uh, prophesying uh, that 150 men burn up. <laughs> uh, 50 got burned the first time, another 50, but the third 50, the captain of it got smart and asked for mercy. Huh? The, the Elijah was prophesying the word of the Lord as God gave it to him. And uh, I think it was the king, which king was it? Azahiah had an accident and he wanted to get better and God said he was going to die. So Elijah had to tell him he was going to die. So King Azahiah sent um, three sets of, of 50 men to bring the prophet to him. And the first set said, man of God, come down. He said, if I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and kill you. So in other words, you can't do anything to a servant of God unless God's permission gives it to you. Now you see these extreme things under the old covenant because there was a curse on that covenant. Because people were so wicked and evil. You understand what I'm saying? They're wicked and evil now, but there's mercy. And so we always pray for mercy as believers. Uh, you know, I see a lot of people prophesying gloom and doom all the time. And it never really comes. I mean, it, you know, it's not like God is just going to destroy the, the righteous with the wicked. We saw that in Abraham's time. It's just not covenant, okay? So you stand on your covenant with God, and you don't have to be afraid of what he's doing, but you got to participate the right way, too. You have to make sure that you, when you see wickedness, you have to speak against it. You have to pray, and you have to ask God to help people to come to repentance. You just don't stand idly by and watch it happen and, and say, oh, you know, this world is going to come to an end because people are so wicked. If you aid and abet that by not interceding and doing anything 
to help people, uh, you could go down with them as well. You're not you're not helping that situation. You see what I'm saying? And so it's not like we're insulated from anything bad happening to us, especially if we stand idly by and act like we don't have any tools or any authority to help these situations. That's why you pray. You pray for uh, people to come to repentance. You pray for wickedness to stop. You pray for these Satanists to go sit down somewhere and not gain power into the government because they've had it before and they're getting it more and more now and they'll do it again if they're not stopped. And so it's, it's, it's very, very important for us as believers to stand our ground Hold on to the word of God and speak into these situations where it's needed. And so Elijah the prophet, uh, it's not his time to lead the earth. And that's the other thing you you have to see uh, in this uh, first chapter, this instance where these uh, men uh, are, are, are the servants of the king are coming to apprehend him. Uh, Many prophets were put to death because they spoke on God's behalf. And so we have to understand that the word of the Lord is is feared and it's also respected. And so when people really, really fear God's word, you don't know what they might do to stop it. When you look at the Muslim terrorists going into a, a, a church and, uh, and beheading a priest who's doing a service, you see what I'm saying? You see how uh, the enemy hates God's word and he hates anybody who stands up for God. And so those of us who who know God have to intercede for these people and have to ask God to give them mercy and restrain their hand from murdering his people. You know what I'm saying? We've got to live so that this earth has a chance. Always see yourself as the person who can stand in the gap and make up the hedge. You're not just sitting here just waiting for something to happen. You're an active participant in good down here on this earth. Use your time for prayer. Use your time for uh, uh, studying your word and interceding and, and uh, you know, turn away from, from worldly stuff, worldly pursuits, wickedness. Because uh, this world isn't getting any better with you running around looking for another way to make a dollar. You understand what I'm saying? It just, it isn't. And so when God empowers you, he wants you to use it for his purposes. You're not empowered just to sit around and, and you know, avoid your prayer partner. You understand what I'm saying? Seriously, I mean, prayer is precious. Are you kidding me? You have, a, you have an audience before God in the throne room of God to do things that are going to make this world different. And you'd rather just, you know, lie to your prayer partner and give an excuse and keep putting it off than to take that little time. What are you doing? You're not doing anything. Not anything more precious than serving God. You have an audience with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who can perform miracles on your behalf. And you avoid praying with somebody because you think you're important. That's all it is. Listen, I've been doing this too long. I know every devil that jumps on people when you try to call them up and ask them and tell them it's time to pray. They just, some people never get an opportunity to have any kind of authority, so they use it there. That's why they don't get many opportunities. Because if God gave you more, you'd misuse it more. 
well, this is a day in the life of the prophet. It's me. No. <laughs> Straighten up. I wouldn't have to correct you. Mm-hmm. I, I hope some of you are aware that this is a school of ministry where you are being trained to serve God and to work for him. This ain't that little dead church you came out of. You know, where all you had to do was show up when you didn't have nothing better to do and put some money in the basket and they considered you on the roll. We don't have no roll here. You ought to know where God told you to be. You have to write your name down, know where you know where you're supposed to be. Just get there. <laughs> Consistently. Everybody with their head down, look up. <laughs> I'm a little higher. you got to do that. Why would you pass through this life just mediocre? I did that before I met the Lord. I'm done with mediocre. I want the highest of the highest of the highest call that I can get in God. You understand me? Praise the Lord. So Elijah, so it wasn't his time to die in chapter 1. So he lives to go on to chapter 2. God knows the length of our days. He has purposed our days to spend serving him. He wants us to spend our our days in pleasures. He doesn't want any difficulty and trouble coming your way. But the Bible also says that it will come. But when it comes, God has a remedy for you if you will stay under the shadow of the Almighty. And so Elijah, the shadow of the Almighty for the prophet Elijah was the word of the Lord. That's your refuge. Is whatever God tells you to do and whatever he tells you to speak, that's your place of refuge. And so he took refuge in the word of the Lord. And in chapter 2, we see a different day coming. And this is how he spent his day in chapter 2. In chapter 2, verse 1, it says, It came to pass when the Lord would take Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. So this is the day that God has ordained for Elijah the prophet to come home. And he is going to take him in a whirlwind. And I believe there were many people who were aware of this. Uh, if you if you ever get around a company of true prophets, they they tend to know similar things or can witness off similar things and agree with similar things. But I wouldn't doubt that Elijah had made it known to people that this was the day that God was going to take him home. And so those who understand that and understand uh, what the prophet's ministry is about understands that there are certain activities that God wants to get accomplished before people leave this earth. Just like all of the uh, many prophets and many great ministers that we've known throughout the ages, there was certain work that they needed to get accomplished before they left the earth. You don't just go when you feel like it or, or go when you get sick or something. God hasn't planned that for you. He's planned certain activities for you to accomplish So I would say this, always have something in your heart that you want to do for God if you want to stay here. You know, don't go off and start doing anything else. Always, if if you want to serve God, he'll probably keep you here as long as you're serving him and as long as you're able to. 
That word that's in you preserves your life. It'll give you long life. So my suggestion is if you haven't been busy for God, get busy for him. And do what he puts before you to do. And you will get long life, length of days, good health. The Bible says when Moses went up to the mountain to die, he was 120 years old. He hiked up a mountain at at 120. His eyes were not dim, the Bible says. He wasn't squinting at his prayer cards. And his natural strength wasn't abated. He was as strong. Same thing with Caleb. He was 80, and he said, I'm well able to take this mountain. Amen? And so why? Because the word of the Lord preserved them. They were obeying God every day. Every day they got up, they did what God told them to do, and they sought God for what to do with that day. Very simple. Just be willing to do it when he tells you. So prophets are called, number one, to develop and train the gifts of God. And that's consistent throughout the Bible. Pastors are called to shepherd the sheep and to teach them in the realm that they are given by God to teach them. But prophets are called to develop and train the gifts of God. So you see here in in chapter 2, verse 1, everybody kind of knew Elijah. This was his day to go home. Verse 2, and Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, I'm asking you, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said to him, As the Lord liveth and as your soul liveth, I will not leave you. So they went together down to Bethel. Now, this was very common, and this is a common thing that prophets do in the way that they train people. Prophets, even though you may think they're heavy-handed and bossy and all that kind of stuff, they have great respect for your will to be involved in what you do. I can't make you do anything, and I know it. And God can't make you do anything either. So they understand that your cooperation, your will, Your decision, you have to decide you want to get involved in things or it's no good. Prophets can sense resistance and they don't like it around them. So they tend to allow you to disconnect if you want to disconnect. Now, if this is too deep for y'all, you know, listen, what you want me to do? We will sing another song. Bishop Russell gone, so you're going to have to listen to me if that's what you want. You understand what I'm saying? So don't get testy with me today, okay? If you're guilty, say, ouch, repent, or whatever it is, but we're going to go on with this, all right? Thank you. Thank you. But if you insist on disconnecting, they'll let you. They'll tell you they don't think it's a good idea. Oh. But they'll let you. You got me? but always with the invitation to return. Prophets are probably the most merciful gift. Pastors will throw you out and lock the door behind you. Huh? 
Everybody say amen. Y'all done been put out of places, places where you done went and worked and paid your money and left, and they never thought anything more about you when you came back or you asked for something. They didn't give you nothing. But prophets understand the enemy. He understands people get confused and whatever reason goes on. They understand it gets too tough for sheep sometimes. You understand? You tell people to obey God and do this and do that. <laughs> what did what did Samuel say when Saul Saul uh, ate? When remember when Saul refused to destroy all of the uh, goods? I think it was it was Ai Jericho, one of those cities that they took, and King Saul decided instead of destroying it like God said, he listened to the people and kept some of the stuff. And Samuel came up there and he thought everything had been destroyed. Samuel hears sheep. He said, what's that bleeding of sheep I hear? Well, it was real sheep, but it was also them people. Yeah, let me have it. I don't want this too hard. I can't get up that early. I can't get on no bus. What kind of church? This ain't no church. This is the kingdom of God in operation. God might tell you to get on a bus, tell you to get on a donkey, might tell you to get on anything. But we got to follow God. You hear me? (laughs) Praise the Lord. But prophets could care less how much you cry. I'm going to say it again. Prophets can care less how much you cry. You ain't doing nothing nobody else has had to do to serve God. Are you kidding me? Most of them been through tougher times than you have. Huh? I had a husband that wanted to leave me. And I wasn't even saved. I was just getting to know the Lord. And Pastor Shirley talked to him and asked him not to leave me. Now, most of y'all would have been on husband number two or three. You understand me? So don't tell me what you don't. Don't tell me you don't want to do this too hard. Because most prophets have been through things ten times hard as you and survived and had joy and had happiness and lived happily ever after in it. Huh? Because we tough it out to see what God's. I'm go, I want to see what God can do. I know what the devil can do. And I know what my flesh can do, and I know what the court system can do. But I want to see what God can do. You hear me? And if he tells you to stand, you stand. Quit whining. I love you. You understand me? Because listen, baby, it's going to get tougher. You think it's hard out there now for Christians? We're so persecuted in this country, we don't even speak about it ourselves. But we sit and we watch things being changed to political correctness. You say anything that looks like you want people to defend themselves and you get caught all kinds of names. Why is it you can't defend yourself anymore? And it's getting worse and worse. You understand me? And so don't tell me about how you... Well, I used to pray with my prayer partner, but they quit calling me. You need to call them. It's called love. Love humbles itself to get the job done. You understand what I'm saying? Don't care about who calls. What do you care who calls who? You want to get with God. 
Or maybe you don't. I don't know. Whatever. So prophets are called to develop and train gifts of God and use this very strong in Elijah because it, it, it lasted every day of his life. There's no retirement. There's no slowdown. There's no easy anything. It continues until the end of their lives. Ministry continues. So prophets are called to develop and train the gifts of God. And that comes often through discipleship and testing of the students. Students or prophets get tested in real life. You got me? In things, in assignments, in that kind of thing. So we see here the prophet putting the test before Elisha. And he said, I'm going to go to Bethel. Elisha said to him, Elisha said to him, as the Lord liveth, so he swears, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets, here's some other people. Hey, these are people who are called and people who take it seriously. Uh, now you'll see the difference here. Some people take it seriously. And you can tell how many, what percentage of people really, really want to go 100% and get what God has for them. So you see Elisha here, and so far there's a group of the sons of the prophets that they run into at Bethel when they get there. And so the sons of the prophets come up to Elisha and said to him, Don't you know that the Lord is going to take your master from your head today? And he said, Yeah, I know it. Shut up. Huh? I know it. Shut up. In other words, I don't need any details. I know where this is coming from. It's the other thing with prophets. They don't sit and listen to, you know, I had somebody once to come up to me. They got mad at me because I didn't want to hear a prophecy that they had gotten from something. I don't know where they got it from. Well, well, listen to this. I, and she read about three words. I said, it's not from God. Well, he listened to No, listen to Uh-uh. No, I don't need to hear no more. I know it's not from God. What am I listen to that for? I'm trying to hear from God. Why would I clog up my soul and my spirit with something that ain't of God? If you know it's not of God with the first word, or you know it ain't of God before they open their mouth, tell them just, you know, hold your peace. That's not for me. You like it, keep it. But I'm telling you, it's not from God. And so, and this is, this is the way you must live. If you're going to live pure for God and you're going to hear strictly from God, you don't encourage yourself to be a garbage disposal for every word that comes that somebody says sounds like God to them. So, when in the testing, God makes it hard for the person to capture the anointing. It's done that way on purpose. It's done that way on purpose. If everybody could get it, if the Bible says we have to seek God and seek him with our whole heart. If there's no obstacles to overcome, everybody would be proficient in the knowledge of God. But God's word is precious. His knowledge is precious. His wisdom is precious. It's not handed out to everybody. So you may find yourself having to get out of your comfort zone in order to hear and receive what God has for you. 
you might find yourself doing some very exotic things <laughs> to get what God has for you. So the man of God first tells him, nope, you stay here. And he said, nope, I'm not staying here. I'm going. Now there's a place where your faith has to create an opening for the anointing to come into you. So if you can resist resistance and still keep going, your faith is getting stronger every time you meet that resistance and overcome it. I'm going to say it again. If you desire something from God and there's an obstacle that comes, the faith that you are stepping out in to meet that obstacle is of a lesser degree than it will be once you overcome it and get it on the other side of the resistance. It's just a physical law. It's like, you know, when when you're building muscle mass. If you go in the gym, you exercise, you talk to these bodybuilder people, and they, they uh, uh, can tell you how many reps of this and reps of that for, to do over a period of time, and you should develop some tone here and some muscle. Well, you're, re, you're meeting re, the, that weak muscle that you had. It's meeting resistance. If you keep going and don't look at it every day to see if you're getting results, you know what I'm saying? You know how sometimes we do uh, I thought I'd be more developed than this by now, you know. But if you forget about it and just follow the instruction, in due time, that tone will develop, that strength will develop. It's the same thing with with uh, faith. Jesus said, if you take the mustard seed and say, huh? If you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say what to what? Tell it to do what? Okay, so that's meeting resistance. See, your faith is meeting resistance. Devil, get out of here. Take this disease with you. Take this demon off my kid. Get out of here. So it meets resistance, and sometimes it won't move for a season. But if you keep resisting it, instead of going away and being discouraged and saying God's word don't work, if you say for real the word works, you got evidence, right? Once you get one evidence of it working, you don't need any more. You understand me? You go by faith the rest of the way. And so what is happening here is the prophet is building, Elijah the prophet, the senior prophet, is building strength and faith in Elisha for something. Prophets don't just, you know, mess with you to mess with you. Huh? See, you've got to understand something. People who really serve God have a heart for serving God, get nothing out of making you uncomfortable. Now, see, some of y'all been perverted enough to think that way. You don't have to raise your hand because I know you do. It's human to think that way. Well, why would she tell me to do it? I thought she was going to do it. We done been through this before. The Bible is full of people who thought it was going to go one way or went a different way. But they wound up getting what they wanted from God. You understand what I'm saying? 
And so you have to trust God when you're dealing in these things, that you've asked God for his power, you asked him for his anointing, you asked him for something, and you got to believe that every day that you work with this individual, that God is delivering something to you. You got me? You must believe that. So it seems like Elijah is making it hard for Elisha. You know, it's just, now why, how come he can't lay hands on me right here? How come I can't get it over here? Huh? Well, see, that's what I call a thief. See, that thief mentality, they want it like you want it when you want it. Huh? And to be honest with you, people who are like that have never gotten it and will never get it unless they change. See, people say stuff like, well, how come I can't, uh, you know, I don't want to go to Benny Hinn. I'm going to get healed at my church. Well, if you could get healed at your church, you'd be healed already. You see what I'm saying? So God is opening a door of opportunity, but you're going to have to come out your comfort zone. Most people in churches expect the same thing all the time anyway. Religion, fatigue. You know, nothing on going on here but the rent. You know, same old, same old. Even though that word was good. But sometimes your expectation level levels out and you don't stay excited. You know what will keep you excited about the things of God is prayer. See, we can get new things in God regularly because we have prayer in our meetings. That's what gives you the edge. It does. Keeps you full of the word, full of anticipation. Churches where they don't pray dissolve pretty soon. You know, the membership drops off, things trail off, and, you know, then pretty soon they're not doing what what they're supposed to do in God. They just come in there and keep it open long enough to collect an offering and keep the lights on, you know, whatever else is on. And so God's never ordained that. That's not what God wants for his people. He wants us to be in, because he's always got plans, folks. God's always got vision. He's always got plans. He's always doing something down here on the earth. And people who really understand prayer understand that they're after something every time they, they pray. We're expecting God. We're expecting him to give us an assignment. We're expecting him to answer our prayer. We're expecting to see changes in our city. We're expecting to see changes in our government. We're expecting to see changes in these places. You mean? But if you don't pray, you expect anything. You just come in and sit down and, you know, when you want to, and then when you find something else to do, you go do that. Huh? Well, don't shout me down. But it is true. It's, people just get listless because they're not engaged. You know, if you get engaged and stay engaged, there'd be plenty for you to get interested in. But you don't give it a chance. And so here the prophet is, it seems to be making it hard for the younger prophet to hang on. How come we just can't lay hands on me here? You know? And then when as soon as Elisha obeys Elijah and goes on with him... Then the devil sends some other prophets in the city where he goes to to mess with him. It's amazing how the devil can speak to people everywhere to upset your day and upset your plans in God. Hmm? 
He's full of people to do that. Nowadays, we don't have to go far to get people to speak things that upset our plans in God. All you got to do is turn on the television. So you got it tuned in. Things that distract you, talk you out of believing God, talk you out of keeping your prayer time. You got me? You just bring it right in. We invite it in. Well, one person agrees. Amen. It's true. It is true. So he doesn't have to work very hard, you know. If this were Elisha, he'd just turn on the TV and there'd be some prophets on there prophesying something against what God just told him. So they tell him, don't you know the Lord is going to take your master away? Now, what are they trying to do with those words? Huh? Trying to get him to be mediocre like they are. See, this is media, mediocrity talking to excellence, trying to pull it down to its level. Huh? That's the, the majority of the congregation trying to talk you out of spending your Saturdays going to prayer. Or spending, hopping on a bus to go to Detroit. Why are you going to Detroit to pray? Well, we got people, we got churches in Detroit. Yeah, and God called me up there to pray anyway. Y'all keep doing what y'all do. Don't interfere with me. I won't interfere with you. Yeah. So he tends to make it hard for the young prophet to fulfill what he is commanded to do in order to receive the power of God. See, Elisha knows what he wants and he knows what's necessary. God has put it in Elisha's heart what to ask for before the man of God leaves. He has to be invited to ask for it. Huh? Prophets offer, offer people stuff all the time and they refuse. Well. You just got to trust me on that one. It just doesn't look like you're going to get anything out of it when they offer it to you. See, you want the cookies before the the vegetables. And they ain't going to give it to you. It has to be done in order. Huh? And prophet says, can you help me with my bag, you know, uh, <laughs> you want to run you want to run someplace else a bit. you want to run before they even ask you you understand what I'm saying see I ask you one time you turn me down next that's how it rolls we don't beg, beg no because I could carry my own bag yeah luggage thank you Mr. Here. I told him no more bag jokes so we don't mention the word bag anymore <laughs> Anyway, I'm going to say it again, though. You get one invitation to assist a man or woman of God. You refuse. Let's move on. Huh? Why? Because God's not going to beg you to do anything. Huh? His servants don't beg you to do anything. You're not doing it for me anyway. It assists me. But God wants to get you engaged and involved in serving him. So that he can bless your life with something greater. 
some people do it automatically. I remember me and Pastor Shirley would go places and we'd be fighting over who's going to carry whose bag sometimes. If she was preaching, I'd carry her bag. She didn't preach much back in the day, but if she was going to minister, I'd carry her bag and we'd fight over to who had the bags. Why? It's just an automatic thing to assist and serve the, the man or the woman of God. Don't run and let somebody else do that job. I'm going to say it again. Don't run from it and let somebody else do it. You know, humble yourself. Usually there's nobody around but you and the prophet anyway. The Bible says Elijah, Elijah poured hands over Eli, water over his hands. He helped him bathe himself. I heard you squeal. Oh. <laughs> See, the man of God isn't deliberately making it hard, but he must test the younger prophet's sincerity and commitment. Why? Not for him. He's not doing it for him. But he knows that sincerity and commitment are requirements of God. You won't stay anointed two days if you're not committed and if you're not willing to pursue, you know, pursue uh, uh, the things of God like you pursue a piece of jewelry or a new dress. Get on the internet, you're on there four hours looking for one. Huh? And don't let us do a, a, a internet check on your device and see your history and see what websites you've been on. That's an indictment right there. So give God that much respect. Amen. At least half that much. Pursue him like that. But sincerity and commitment must be tested. They must be tested before impartation. Prophets are testy people. I wrote that down. <laughs> uh, they will kind of tend to irritate you a little bit. You know, not on purpose. Get nothing out of this. But their spirits operate like that. To bring out the best in people and discourage the worst. So they'll bring out the best in you and discourage the worst. Everybody's holding their breath. All right, exhale. Okay, I don't have anything more to say about that. Verse 3, the sons of the prophets were at Bethel, and they came forth to Elisha. Now, when they say sons of prophets, it just means that their dads might have been prophets or their uncles or something, but they were, were part of a company of people who lived in common and and did that for the purpose of learning ministry. See, you get a break. You only got to do a few hours a week. You don't have to live with me, and you don't have to live with the person sitting next to you, so you know what I'm saying. But they lived in common, and they were taken care of. And this is probably one of the reasons that the different companies of prophets are so anxious to, to disconnect from Elijah. Because if you look at how they lived, if they needed, if, if there was a, a, a situation, this is in Elisha's ministry, you'll see that if you study uh, the Bible, say, the Bible records 
seven uh, miracles that were done by Elijah and 14 done by Elisha. And so some of the things that Elisha did were so minor as to make an axe head float because somebody borrowed the axe head and went to to uh, cut something and the axe head fell off and floated, started floating down the river and sunk and then they had to pull it up. Well, why were they using an axe? Because they wanted their own house. They were living, they said, oh, we're living too close together. I want my own house. So when you live around a prophet, you get taken care of. You understand me? I mean, God makes them take care of you. And God didn't say you had to appreciate it either. <laughs> Everybody holding their breath. Yeah, she gave me that and I didn't say thanks. She feed us all the time. And, uh, I'm just glad I don't have to live around her all the time. <laughs> Oh boy, it's interesting. Oh, it's interesting. But but see, these are God's ways, huh? And He holds a prophet accountable. You think I don't feel bad if I see people not being able to get over things that that are are trying challenging them and can't see the light and can't quite get deliverance or get victory over certain things, and you want desperately to to for that to happen for people. But people have to make it happen themselves. Prophets can't do everything for you. You have to participate. This stuff has got to come in your garage or your life or your house. So you've got to do your part to get it there. And they understand this. So the two walk together. That's what prophets enjoy. They enjoy people who can walk together with them. And they understand Sometimes people feel to disconnect if they if it's stretching their faith too much to walk another mile with the prophet or or go another further with them. They understand that your faith can get stretched to the point where you just want to disconnect. You understand me? You you think it's not worth it. And so that's very, very common for people. You know, it happens in churches uh, where people are under pastors that that you know have excellence in mind for people sometimes they just can't get it together this is too much to do don't take all this for me to get my bills paid you know you're thinking about bills paid and, and the prophet's thinking about your spirit developing yeah, I don't, I, your bills are very secondary to what's going on on the inside of you do you have the power to see the, you know, to open blinded eyes and get people up and get them healed. You know, that's what we want for you. The money will always come. You know, if God don't move soon enough on the money, you know, go stick somebody up or something. Oh, might pull out the visor and run us a little card game. You know, I mean, you know, you want money, you can get money now. The anointing, you can't shovel a deck of cards and get that. Seriously, it's the precious things we want you to get. It grieves prophets to see people that they and they can look at you and know you have ability in God. You look at everybody that comes in here has that. There's something in you 
that if you got developed in the word enough would come out. Huh? That people tend to just want to not develop that sometimes, you know, or develop it a little bit. and They'll hear about uh, God wanting us, wanting to do certain things with them, and they shy away from it. See, you, but you, if you start following and really get involved in it, I remember when uh, Chuck and her mother went down and ministered to all their old friends in Miami, got people saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit, and your mother didn't know much about God. And you neither. You were very young in the things of God. But they felt to go and minister to people. And, and, and see, that's evidence right there of the greatness of God on the inside of people. See, when prophets say greatness, they mean greatness as far as ministry and supernatural dealings changing lives. I'm not talking about you owning a business. Sinners do that. you got to do something a sinner can't do. That's what we're called to do. So the two walk on together. They go to Bethel. At Bethel, you know, the, the Elisha acts uh, in accordance with the will of God. He tells the younger prophets, don't tell me now. I want to know the details. I'm not having any conversation with you. I'm keeping my eyes on the man of God. Elisha said to him, uh, Elijah said to him, wait here. I'm asking you for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. Now, how many of you, if I told you, well, you know, uh, listen, you you worked hard today. Go on home and go to bed. And you say, oh, no, I'm not going nowhere. You know, I just know the Lord's told me to stick around you. huh? Most of y'all sleep before you even get down them stairs. Huh? Whew, I'm glad she said go to bed. I was looking at that other stuff over there to do, and I was holding my breath, hoping she wouldn't tell me to go, you know, peel some potatoes. Huh? I'll put you to work, won't I? Oh, we gonna do something around. We ain't gonna sit up here and watch as the world twirls, and uh, we ain't doing that. You do that, or you backslide on your own. You come here, we gonna do some kind of work, some kind of way. All right. So. In order to get the anointing, you have to withstand the scrutiny and ridicule by those who are not sincere about serving God. And the world's full of them. You can be walking in the will of God and they show up on the road. So this is part of the persecution that prophets are subjected to. God chooses your friends. You don't. Huh? Suppose Elisha had fallen in with the company of prophets he saw over at Bethel. Huh? The nation of Israel probably would have taken a nosedive and waited for God to raise up another prophet. There's value in one prophet conferring the anointing on another while they live. When you got to go find dead people's writings and start digging in and finding what God wants, you the body of Christ has taken a, a time out that they didn't have to take. Because somebody around that prophet should have been willing to pay the price to get the power. And it could be anybody. Sometimes it's the people who think they're, least, they're the least ones to do it. You see that in the Bible all the time. So, <clears throat> reasons for persecution. We often ridicule what we do not understand 
instead of seeking understanding. See, ridicule, you can keep your pride and your ego. Seeking understanding, you've got to humble yourself. And so this is what people don't want. They would rather keep their ego and make it seem like they know everything. And they're making fun of people who are doing legitimate actions in God. Think of all the people that maybe made fun of Jesus making spit and putting it on a man's eyes. Huh? And, you know, just like when he was being crucified, they finally had him, what they thought, under his control. What was the first thing they did? They mocked him as a prophet. Slapping him with him blindfolded. Tell him, prophesy, tell us which one slapped you. The devil hates that. He hates when people are close to God and God shares his mind with them and shares his knowledge and his power. All the company of prophets at Bethel see is an old man ready to die. And Elisha sees his ministry. Huh? And little time to learn. So every minute that Elisha can spend with the man of God is precious to him. And he lets him know it. In other words, if you know they don't have long, uh, hightail it over there. You understand what I'm saying? If you know you're in line to receive, and I ain't talking about just going, but if you're in line to receive something, you hightail it on over there. Oral Roberts, toward the end of his life, was not able to travel and hold meetings, so he would have ministers that wanted to learn from him to come out to his home. You know, he invited them out and, and would allow them, and so he would ask them to just give an offering. And it was just something that when he said it, just something went through my heart like a knife. And he said, and he said, I was very frustrated for a while because some of the men that came out didn't give anything. Now, could you imagine? And making that man at the end of his life stress and struggle, did I do the right thing? And by God, you said these men would bless me and it would be worth my time and I wouldn't have to worry about money. I'd be taken care of and here's somebody. I said, you know that man, I would rather be a, a dead dog than to do who, be whoever that was that didn't bless the man of God for. You understand? That's something you don't do. I wouldn't do that for anything. If I knew I didn't want to pay, I'd stay at home. How dare they think they can rob and see this the thief mentality wanting something for nothing and then to sit up there and, and call yourself he didn't get anything I can tell you he was around it but didn't receive it if you got stealing on your mind you could be around a lot of things of God and never get them I said it's a good thing I don't know who he was I wish he wish he dropped the name I'd go write nasty stuff to him on their website see I ain't the one to get that job to Good thing I don't know. Uh, Could you believe? Because the company of prophets do not desire more, they ridicule those who do. So you will be persecuted by people who can't see it and many times don't want to see it. The enemy uses ignorance and pride to steal power and anointing from us. The best way to learn is through a living example. If God can bless you to be around somebody who carries the anointing while they yet live, that's the most powerful way to learn. You'll see that in this example.
one who can demonstrate the power of God and demonstrate the lifestyle that it takes to maintain that. So you see, Elisha is not only learning power and ministry, he's learning lifestyle and character that can carry the ministry. You can't have the power of God without his character. He either won't give it to you or it'll lift the minute you start acting crazy. We see nowadays many people who are are just shallow in their character, not being able to carry the anointing, and they go home early. And that's because the power of God is increasing in the earth. It's not diminishing, it's increasing. You don't see a lot of people with it like sometimes you do during revivals, but it is increasing. You know how it's increasing? Because everyday believers are now in moving in the power of God. And it's being made available to more and more people. So in verse 4, Elijah, Elijah said to him, I'm going to Jericho. Again, the same thing. I'm not going to leave you again. Here comes the devil with sons of the prophets that were at Jericho. And they came to Elisha and said to him, don't you know that old man's at the point of death? Now, why do they not think it's important to be around the older man of God? Old people is high maintenance. They scared he might need something. I'm serious. See, the thief mentality wants to just take it without cost. And they're thinking, Elisha, man, that that dude, I've been around him. It takes him like a half hour to just put his sandals on. We left him a long time ago. You understand? We we got the best off of that old dude, and we moving on to something else. So they think. Honey, dead prophets can heal people. Are you kidding me? They bones got power. <laughs> so we keep picking at him about that. Just cut him loose. We know we didn't see you helping wash him up and all that kind of stuff. We we got somebody else we following. So the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to him and said the same thing. He said, yep, I know it. Shut up. And Elijah said to him, stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. He said, as the Lord liveth, as your soul liveth, I'm not going to leave you. I told you, this is the third time I'm telling you. And they went on. So he gets here three tests, three opportunities to disconnect from the man of God. The man of God tells him, don't go any further. And then it gets confirmed by people who know God. I don't care. How many anointed people say something, if it ain't for you, don't eat it. <clears throat> Fifty men of sons of prophets went and stood to view afar off. So they following him by now. They think they're going to see something now. It's getting interesting. He done followed him all. wonder what they doing. What? Uh, uh, uh. Wonder what? Wonder, wonder. Some people are professional wonderers. They never get an answer. They just wonder all the time. 
And God likes to have an audience when he does stuff. You ever notice that? There's a lot of onlookers who aren't really engaged in faith. They just look it. Huh? That's why you go to a healing meeting, like say like a Benny Hinn meeting, and you get a small number of people ever get healed, and all them people that packed in there. They could all be healed. But they don't want nothing like that. They want to spectate. And then go back to their church and say, How was that Benny Hinn this weekend? That's what they're in it for. They have something to talk and tell somebody about. Huh? Jesus had multitudes of people following him, but sometimes he'd get there and all he could do was chase away a few headaches because they had no faith. They were just spectating. So God gathers this little audience. Here we get 50 men going, and they stood by the Jordan. Elijah took his mantle, wrapped it together, like folding it and making it kind of sharp. And he, and he hit the waters, and they were divided Hither and thither. So he divided the water right down the middle so that the two went over on dry ground. So they got a big crowd for that one. Because you get to the Jordan, you don't have any way to cross it. They don't have a bridge. Now this is, he's the man of God just going to drop dead here. We're going to watch him leave. Uh And they walked right across. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I will do for you. Ask what I will do for you. Now the prophets who were looking on had to stay on the other side. You got me? So first God has this big audience following. And it says the prophet broke the waters in half, but only the two of them went through. See, that's faith going. Unbelief and ridicule stays in the background. So this is what Elisha has The devil is a liar. You can get me another one if you got it. Thanks, brother. I sure appreciate it. We got to get it turned on. Who's back? Okay, thank you. So this is what they've been building up to. Amen. It's this this is a picture of how faith is built to the point where you receive what you ask for. And unbelief has to take a back seat to to faith. At some point your following God is going to take you across places where the devil's people can't follow you, where unbelief can't hinder you. Where distractions have no power over you, it's the invincible realm of true faith in God. And that's what he got Elijah and Elisha involved in. And so Elisha, had it not been that way, had the sons of the prophets been able to follow them even crossing the Jordan and over, they would have had the same faith that Elisha had without paying the price for it. God wants you to see clearly That you cannot get anything from him unless you pay his price for it and unless you do it with a pure heart and unless you're willing to do whatever God tells you to do to get what you need. God is separating you from your unbelief, from unbelief of people around you, from mediocrity. He's doing that every single time he deals with you. 
He's putting you in a place where you're above the unnecessary things in life. You're above criticism. You're above ridicule. You're above all these things that trouble you. He wants you to get to that place so that he can confer a blessing on you. And so, Elijah, when they finally get across the Jordan, he asks you, he says, And it came to pass, verse 9, when they were gone over, Elijah said to him, Ask whatever you want before I'm taken away from you. And so he had, you notice he had never asked him, told, given him that invitation yet. And so he sees, he gets to the point where he knows that God is ready to bless him with something. And he tells him to ask me what it is that you want from me. He said, I know you want something or you wouldn't have come all this way. Now God's got you separated from everybody else. You know you're the one who's going to take my place now. There's no disputing it. There's these other prophets that kept ridiculing you. You know they're not God's picks. Now you know you're the man, and you ask me now what you want. He couldn't get it in his own time. He couldn't get it when he wanted it. He couldn't get it when he thought he was ready for it. He had to wait until God said, it's okay, now you can ask. These people go around talking about they getting so-and-so's mantle or run up to a man or woman of God and say they want their mantle. They ought to be taken out and whipped. I said it, and I ain't taking it back. They don't have no manners. They need a good spanking from somebody. Probably never been in a church long enough to learn any manners. Just rush up to people and tell them you want what they got. Bunch of hoodlums and thugs this ain't no thug life this is the kingdom of God put up with that stuff around here act like you got some manners even if you don't have any (laughs) and he said Elisha said I'm asking you let a double portion of your spirit be upon me and he said you've asked a hard thing nevertheless keep walking with me keep going If you see me when I'm taken away, it'll be yours. He says, and if it it shall be so unto you, but if not, you're not going to get it. See, you can go so far, and this is the thing about people, and I've, I've really come to know it's true. At the very moment when you say, quit, give up, that's the moment that if you had gone a little bit farther. Huh? And I see people start over and quit, start over and quit. Start, You know, my head gets tired walking. Get a crook in your neck. Start over and quit, start over and quit, start over and quit. It's like they don't have a sense of, you know what, I'm quitting too soon. Or they think they're not quitting. Most people will never admit to quit. I got faith. Well, God told me this. This is the whole thing. God told me to do this. He told you to do that. That didn't cause you to prosper. That caused you to lose everything. So why are you doing it? Why are you saying it's God? Just a thought. It's getting deep in here. It's deep as the Jordan. Huh? But it is the truth. And if you would go another step with God, it's tough. You're embarrassed. You're ashamed. You think everybody's looking at you. You think they're making fun of you. And people ain't thinking about you. They got they, they hiding their own stuff from you. Everybody got stuff. 
He said, if you see me. In other words, you ain't done yet. You asking for it now. But he said, if you see me when I go, you got to be looking for what God has for you. The anointing just doesn't fall on you out of nowhere. You have to be looking for what God has for you. And he says, <clears throat> he says, <clears throat> in other words, whoever is, is, is that you're learning from, they're, you're their disciple until they leave the earth, you know. And, and I think that's the, the one of the things that really grieves me about the people of God. They'll get offended over nothing. They'll walk with a man or woman of God for 10, 15 years and then all of a sudden disappear because there's something that bugged them. Well, what's probably happened is those onlookers have gotten your attention. See, you've been resisting them for five years and ten years and all of a sudden they catch up to you and you start listening to them. And they tell you something. Or you get on the internet. You know, the internet is probably one of the best and worst things. That and the television. You get on there and start listening to somebody that you think has got something the prophet over you doesn't have. Well, if they got something the prophet over you don't have, that means it ain't for you. This makes life easy. It makes life real easy. You think you need something I don't have? Pray and ask God to bring it to you. Huh? You think you're lacking something? Ask God for it. Huh? Most people don't receive half of what you already teach them. Let alone got to have something new. You want something new because you're not employing everything that you have. Huh? And your frustration and your anger is evidence of it. You're not doing half of what you need to do in order to succeed in God. You're cutting corners again. Huh? See, so go and gobble up all the tapes and you know, listening all the time, trying to get something there like you're your own little shepherd. Huh? Sheba eat anything, some of them. They're not peculiar, particular about what they eat. Eat anything from anybody. <laughs> so many people will not desire. If you have something that you want from God, you'll find very few people who want that. It says the best way to learn is through example and through testing to see if you can apply what you learn. You mean I have to do this stuff you be talking about? Mm-hmm. Supposed to. You're supposed to be willing to do it. That's what you come to church for, to learn stuff you can apply to your life so that you can prosper in it. So the company of prophets is there. They get separated from Elisha. Nobody but him and the man of God. And he sets up the conditions for his anointing. Until God can speak to somebody and tell them the conditions for what you are asking for, you just keep doing what you do, and the day will come when God is ready to place it on you. Amen? It takes perseverance, takes patience, takes humility, and it takes single-mindedness. It takes all of those things. You can't be easily distracted. 
at any time Elisha could have gone and joined the company of prophets and you know they prayed and played them prophetic games I'm sure in companies you know they prophesied to each other and get visions and all that kind of stuff he could have gone with them games but he said no nah. he said uh, this this prophet's life is a little tough I need a little more than them little prophetic games y'all play see I need more to just trade visions with you and tell you what God told me and tell you what I saw and you tell me what you saw he said, I want real power. I'm going to say it again. I want real power. I don't want to sit around and play with y'all and you tell me your dream and what that means. And I tell you my dream and I tell you, oh, you know, Elijah, leave. yeah, God told me that. He's leaving today. So now everybody knows it. So what you do next? What you do for an encore? See, there has to be a place where you come apart from the pack and what what God really has for you. I'm not playing it down, but the word of knowledge, and that's what most accurate prophecies have, is the most common gift of the Holy Spirit. You can get a word of knowledge and not even have the gift of tongues to edify yourself to get a good one you understand what I'm saying get a flow of it in other words God's spoken to people all the time he'll speak to sinners sometimes so that's a word of knowledge and that's a, a very usual gift so we can sit around and prophesy to each other all day long but you know what I see too much hell going on in the world to sit around and just want to play prophesy with one another and tell you God's going to get you a house and he's going to get you a husband and he's going to get... We'll know that. We have a more sure word of prophecy that guarantees all of that. I want to know how to live right every day so it will come to pass. And if somebody's going to work for God down here, I don't know what you think, but I know we need more power. We don't have half the power we need. To get people really delivered, to get them really saved, to get all that kind of stuff. So I'm pressing in for the more, and that's where Elisha's heart was. He said, I played them prophecy games with y'all. Everybody knows a man of God's going to leave. But I'm gonna, I'll tell you one thing, he ain't leaving until I get what I want, and I'm not satisfied. Sometimes people desiring things from God can keep the prophet alive, can keep them healthy. So it came to pass, in verse 11, as they still went on and talked, just chatting, just chatting with the prophet. Behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them asunder. And Elijah went up in a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in pieces and took up the mantle. In other words, he promoted himself. He said, I asked for it. I got it. I'm shedding the old and I'm putting on the new. Amen. I'm shedding what I used to operate in for more. I'm walking away from that for more. There are many times God will, will use you in certain things for a season and then it dries up 
And you just have to keep pressing in for more. Don't sit up and talk about the old days all the time and not wanting them to return and and increase. Always look for more in God because there is more. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and hit the waters and said, Where is the God of Elijah? Huh? That's faith. You know you got something. You know what you asked for. You know you want to see it. Not next year. Not when you get mature, but you want to see it now. And anytime you put a demand on God like that, he will show it to you now. God, if you gave me something, I want to see it. I want to see what it can do. I want to know this power. And he said, and he took it and smote the waters. And said, Where is in the, when he also had smitten the waters, they parted just like they did with the man of God that went before him and he went over. He said, now I know I got it. And when the Sunday, here they come. He had walked back, back across Jericho. He had a secret meeting with the man of God, finally. And he walked back across Jericho and he sees the sons of the prophets of God. said, the spirit of Elijah does rest on Elisha. They saw that. They didn't see how it happened, but they saw that it had happened. I like that. When God anoints you, nobody will see it sometimes but you and God. But you'll see the results of it. Everybody will know. They don't have to see how you got it or what you did to get it. That's how people get religious. They see you do one thing and think, I can do that, and I get what they got. They ain't see nothing. But they see the results of it. So what could they say except the spirit of Elijah rests on him? They had to respect it. And they came and started, now they started sucking up to, the, uh, to Elisha, kissing the ground in front of him. And, oh, yeah, Elisha, we your, we your boys. Remember when we used to prophesy together? I don't remember any such thing. All I know is what God got me doing today. He said, and behold, they said in the verse 16, Behold now, there be with thy servants fifty strong men. Let them go. We pray thee and seek your master. Let's, let's for adventure the spirit of God has taken him up and cast him on some mountain. Oh, he ain't really taken up to heaven. He up on a mountain somewhere. So we're going to send 50 men out to go and find him. They see the power rests on him. What more do you want? They want to say he's still around. you know why? Because now they value him. That you don't go looking for anything you don't value. See, now they see he gave it to Elisha. We want that now, too. You didn't want it when he was alive. You thought it was too much trouble. I ain't carrying no bag. Huh? This is the truth. I ain't going to do that. I don't have to. You don't have to do all that to serve God. I've been in churches before. All I ever did was, and that's all you got. And Elisha said, don't send them. Huh? Don't send them. He's not. They, God dropped him on a mountain somewhere. I know he's still alive somewhere. Why? Because you want him to be. Things aren't always what you want. Verse 17. So they kept begging and begging and begging. He just got tired of saying no. Say, go look. And so they went there for 50 men and they sought him three days but didn't find him. When they came again to him, for he stood there and waited for him to come back, he said to them, I told you not to go. 
Isn't that what we hate to hear from prophets? I told you so. <laughs> and we'll tell you too. I told you don't do that. Why you do it? Could have saved yourself some trouble. Could have saved yourself three days hunting for something I knew. I told you wasn't there. And so now God begins to honor Elisha's word like he did Elijah's. With these prophets, them prophets back there, the real ones, that God didn't let any of their words fall to the ground. You got me? He upheld all of their words. When Elijah, when Elisha told him, don't go because he ain't there, God upheld that. Huh? He upheld that. The only time anybody saw Elisha, I mean Elijah again after that was on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. Remember? Nobody's seen him since then. Why? Because he was taken up to heaven. Everything that God, God receives, he has control over. He didn't want him to come back. You understand what I'm saying? And so we know then that God has a way of promoting, and this is just a day in the life of the prophet. Pretty exciting, huh? <laughs> They're not all exciting like that, but they are all supernatural if the prophet will flow with God. And so I just thought I'd share that with you guys so you'd see something about, you know, people think, you know, all kinds of things about prophets because the devil tells a lot of lies about us. Most of what he tells you about me is not true. <laughs> Why? Because I'm blood-bought. Huh? He can tell you all my faults if you want to listen to him, but they're all under the blood. You understand me? So they can't hurt me and they can't help you. So try and know the good things about people. Amen. Know what's true, honest, a good report, praiseworthy, and trustworthy. And then God will confer that same spirit upon you so that you can do mighty things. Amen. That's what we want. We want all believers to do mighty things in God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Ms. Juan, if you'll put on some worship music and I'll pray for some people if anybody needs prayer before we adjourn. Well, we had a long day today. I just need some two words. Yeah, we're we're going to shorten it up in the future, though. I I promise we're not going to keep this long.